Kington alongside, as always, Mr. EJ Golett coming to you from, uh, I don't know, is it still sunny in Southern California? Yeah, the sun's up, man, but whatever. <laughs> well, it's dark down here in Florida, buddy. Dark, dark days in Florida right now, but uh, we are happy to have everyone with us. We are getting back into something we love, more of the horror genre, and we are covering just a goddamn classic uh, remade many a times, um, several sequels as well. But we are talking about the one, the only cinematic legend known as Alfred Hitchcock. We are going to be talking about the film Psycho, but more importantly, we're going to be talking about the true inspiration behind Psycho and also several other movies that we will get into later into the podcast. But just sticking to our traditional opening format, let's talk about the stuff we are watching currently. EJ, give us a peek into your private life, bud. Oh, man. Jay, I am, I, I'm a nerd, dude. I'm not doing anything else right now but watching TV. So still yeah. chugging through The Sopranos. Uh, probably an episode a night right now, but enjoying the fuck out of that. Star Wars Rebels, still loving it, still chugging. Uh, I have a plethora of different movies I've tried to watch nightly this week, but uh, I have watched... The Ryan Reynolds, Abigail Breslin movie, definitely, definitely maybe. Um, I watched Ocean's 8, which was great. Uh, I watched Old School, Wedding Crashers, Baby Driver, and your suggestion, The Vast of Night, which I loved and hated, which I think you were on the same <laughs> level with me, too. <laughs> that uh, love overcomes the hate eventually, I promise. Like, it was, it was a very cool movie. I love the thought of it. Um, sometimes I felt like the cinematographer was, he just said, okay, now I want to do a long shot. And the long shot just kind of felt off to me. Like it's just some of the way that was shot. See, I I really liked it. I think I've seen like three times now, dude. And I am a hundred percent convinced now that that dog is an alien. I really think well, that dog. I need to watch it again because I don't even remember a dog. Because he walks really weird. Like when they're walking down one of the roads, and there's just like dog walking. Oh, around. yeah. Yeah. And then a lot of the camera shots, those long ones are going like in between like pieces of the town. And it's they're all shot very low to the ground. So I really think that dog was a was an alien. But honestly, like I didn't realize. Interesting. I don't want to ruin it for you, but like the ending, like I didn't, I didn't catch the ending until like the second time around, honestly. Uh, I mean. Okay, we'll talk about this later. I, I'm yeah, confused. I just I, I show me a better movie you can make for a million dollars. It was a good movie. I'll give you that. Um, I also watched last night, which I suggest you watch as well. Uh, if you haven't seen, <laughs> I've seen it on, but I've not watched it. Dude, it's it's a good. Just get into a mood to watch it, but it's it's such a great movie, Pleasantville. Is it, dude? I don't it remember, is... man. Like I watched it when I was in like fifth grade, I think. Well, let me just give you the basis of it. It's you know Tobey Maguire, Reese Witherspoon, their brother sister. They live in the nineties, uh, and. You know, it's big Friday night for him. The Pleasantville Marathon's on. Tommy McGuire is like this big nerd. He like loves this 50s sitcom show. So they're doing a big marathon so he can win a thousand bucks. Reese Witherspoon uh, is having a date over for like an MTV concert or whatever. And she wants to fuck this guy. But instead, they meet Don Knotts, who's like a TV repairman after the remote breaks. And they get sucked into the TV show Pleasantville. But what happens is... Uh, Reese Witherspoon introduces sex to the town and then everything starts to change after that as they all start to realize that change is a good thing and they start to kind of realize there's more to life than just Pleasantville. And it's a really good movie about, uh, you know, the socioeconomic norms that we live in and like change and it, it kind of, you kind of get to see everything from the civil rights movement to uh, you see World War II Germany with book burning, you see things like that, and like art and expressionism come to I life. And it's a really Reese cool movie. A slut, though. She's oh, she's a huge, her. huge slut, huge slut. She's she fucks Paul Paul Walker in the first thirty minutes of the movie, man. And also Paul Walker is in it. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I'd fuck Paul Walker in the first thirty minutes of any movie. But <laughs> 
it's a great i swear like just watch it you got jeff daniels uh toby mcguire reese witherspoon paul walker um Was William it H. comedy Macy. or drama i can't remember no it's a it's a dramedy i would say actually it's by the same director who directed oceans eight of all movie gary ross i believe his name is but um it's it's a good movie man writing's great pacing's great um I just loved it. Like the movie just makes you feel good. And the, the way they use color is so fascinating to me because like after Reese like kind of opens up the whole town, things start to change. And the first thing that you see is everything's like things start to come into color. So mm-hmm. that's kind of what brings about the whole change in movement. It's, it's really, it's a really touching and well done movie. I love it. Anyway, we're not here to talk about that. What are you watching, sir? <laughs> um, well, I just finished the last NARC today on Amazon Prime. Uh, uh, yes. We were just talking about that. Really, really cool. Uh, I don't know. Cool might not be the right word, but interesting story about uh, the death of a DA agent and uh, the corruption in Mexico, and honestly, as well as the, in, as well as the United States, rather. Uh, really cool. Uh, four episodes in the series. Each episode is only forty-five minutes, so a really easy watch. Uh, finally, got around to watching Jojo Rabbit, which was a awesome movie as well oh yeah um i probably kind of similar to pleasantville it's kind of like a, a, a dramedy uh there are definitely some good um comedic points there are some very uh heartfelt and touching points as well so um really enjoyed that uh kind of honestly in tune with you a little bit going old school with it <laughs> I did watch pineapple express when i talked <laughs> about this week and that's always solid and then um, still watching The Handmaid's Tale. I feel more as a handmaid at this point because I'm just told shut up or watching this show. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's basically what I'm watching. But I'm watching a whole lot of Handmaid's Tales is what I'm getting at here. Well, <laughs> I say, I say this lately, Jay, but under his eye. God. There's so many dumb sayings, and now Chloe's like starting to like say them, and I'm just like, stop! Like I'm not even responding. I don't. Blessed that's the only one I know. Like I've, blessed be the fruit. That's another. I've I've only watched maybe three episodes. Um, I find it too dark of a dystopia to to want to dive into right now. Dude, it is. It's like just very depressing. I don't want to watch this, and we always watch it before I go to sleep. And I'm like, this is not it's like, bad dreams, know, man. Not what I'm trying to set up, you know. No, man, you need something happier before you go to bed. You can't watch Handmaid's Tale and then go to sleep and expect to have good dreams. Exactly. But yeah, and you know, also I wanted to dive into some movie news as well. Uh, a lot has happened this week in the world of film with COVID going on. So with that, I'm sure, actually, I'm wondering if you've heard any of this news, but Mulan is being uh, released in theaters, a small release. But the big news out of that is that you'll be able to watch in the U.S. the premiere exclusively on Disney+. Plus. However, there's a catch. And with that, you'll need to pay 30 bucks just to watch this movie in your home. What do you think about that? It's ridiculous. I, 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 like, this, I don't even – I honestly was not even aware it was Mulan. But I overheard people talking about like paying $30 for a movie. And they're like, well, you know, if you were going to take a date there, that's about what you'd spend anyway, which is true. Like, can I deduct my monthly payment to Disney Plus then? Exactly. Like, that's that's the problem people are having is like you're already paying a monthly subscription to it. Yeah, yeah. But and to be fair, like, (laughs) is Mulan really the movie I want to spend thirty dollars on? You know, if it was like a new Star Wars, I'd be like, okay, yeah, I can justify that. But like. It's a remake of a movie that we don't like. It's meant for children to watch, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know, man. I'm with you. I'm with you there. Whatever. I don't really want to. I don't, I'm not going to pay 30 bucks to see it. However, and this is me just because I'm an MCU nerd, but like, you know, Black Widow is also being released on Disney Plus too. I might do that one, maybe. I don't know. But it's, it's an interesting thing to see what's going to come out of it because this will really determine for all movie studios what the new norm will be as we're under these new restrictions because, you know, a lot of things are teetering like movie theaters are clearly still closed in the United States. However, the international markets are open right now. So, you know, people are opening things overseas. You know, Tenet is an example that's being opened overseas. Uh, However, here, Nolan is so strict about this being in theaters first, you know, that it's, People are trying to figure out, okay, well, where are theater movies going to be released? Are they going to go drive-in first? Are we going to do, you know, video on demand? Or how are we going to do this? So, so the, the uh, rest of the world is able to do that during a pandemic. It almost makes you think that, like, 
the whole COVID nineteen situation might be a little politically charged. Wow. Do you really think so? I don't. I don't know. I mean, I feel like the left and the right are getting along pretty well right now. Yeah, you know, it's just perfect <laughs> harmony, dude. Uh, I it's mean, just I, a happy, happy times in America. If I didn't have my job right now, I'd sure miss my six hundred dollars. Hey, it's a smart virus. It knows when you protest and when you don't. You know, <laughs> Un- unprecedented virus. It's it's pretty insane, actually. I will agree with you there, sir. Uh, just, I don't care. Shut up and tell me when Antlers is out, and I'll go risk my life to go see Antlers. Uh, Antlers, I'm, I don't understand, and I'm hoping uh, Fox Searchlight does something soon here and says that it's going to come out this year. But I think as of right now, from what we talked about a couple episodes ago, it has been pushed to February or March of next year. Yeah, they're so going to fuck it up. Year it's, really. going, it's going straight to DVD. It should. It should go straight to DVD, most of these films, because people are aching to watch a movie right now. And people, I mean, like there are certain things that are coming out. There have been, uh, you know, there was a Kevin Bacon movie that just got released not too long ago. There's a few other things that have come out, but, you know, nothing of, of notable size yet. Mulan is the first movie really of notable size. And that's what I mean. This is going to be the true test of like how well this does on, on VOD. Um, yeah, no, I would, I was trying to pay $50 to watch Antlers right now. Yeah, myself. I would. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I would, I would split that with you, Jay. I'd pay twenty five bucks. No, I would, I would, I would wholeheartedly pay that solo just because I really like Wendigos. But that's you. That's why that. That's why they're saying I don't want to know if we're going to release this. Like, do we want Jay to be the only one who's going to buy this? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Sell it to me. Sell it to me. Um, as I was saying, Tenet is being released as well internationally. Uh, still no plan. I think there's small releases happening in September in the U.S. and those are going to be in rural city areas. Uh, and then I, I'm sure it'll be released on, uh, uh, you know, VOD somewhere. But it'll be a while. Uh, I'm sure they're going to try to do a U.S. wide release. I'll just wait from some guy in Ukraine to upload it onto Cody where I can pirate it. I, dude, I'm no, I refuse to watch that movie unless it's in the highest quality pot. And I know I'm gonna sound like a movie snob here. I'm not gonna watch it on some Cody shit. Like I wanna pay for that. I wanna see the best quality possible for this because the way it was shot, like Nolan shoots his films on IMAX cameras. That's why I always see his films in IMAX. Like they are a spectacle to see on, on in theaters. They really are. But you know, I want to see it on like the best quality I can possible. And if that means I got to watch it at my home, I will pay 20 bucks to see it, 30 bucks to see it, whatever. I don't care. Fair uh, enough. Warner Brothers, they also released this week, just the other day, uh, the trailer for the upcoming film Judas and the Black Messiah. Uh, I actually, this is a inspired by true events story. So I, I cut the trailer up and I put it on our Instagram story today. Uh, this focuses on the story of Fred Hampton. And the Black Panther Party and how the FBI used one of the party's members as an informant after fears of Hampton's radicalism rises. Uh, there's more to the story. Uh, it's quite an interesting story to read about. So I can't wait to see it. The trailer is, is fantastic. And I think that uh, Daniel Kal- – I'm going to slaughter his name and I'm sorry. Daniel Kaluuya, uh, the guy who is in Get Out, um, quite, quite a few of the movies um, – he plays Fred Hampton and he like I've watched videos of Fred Hampton speaking and him speaking and he like just embodies him like he, he does a really good job at it. So I can't wait to see the film. Can't wait to dive into that one actually. Um, Lionsgate confirmed just yesterday that there will be a John Wick 5 and they are shooting the next two movies back to back. Now, Jay, have you watched any of the yeah. John Wicks? Okay. All three of them. Are you a fan? I mean, like, I don't know, dude. Yes, I was. I don't know. Four and five. Come on, like, let's not ruin Keanu Reeves. Like, I'm, I'm a massive Keanu. You're Reeves not fan. gonna ruin Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves no. can't ruin himself. He's too. He's too loved no. right now. I think one and two were fine. Leave it at that. No three was fine. three was it's, fucking great. It's no no need to do like a Fast and Furious 19 movie. Okay, it's fine. I agree. I hope they stop after. I hope they stop after five. I, we don't need ten of these, but. I, I truly love what they're doing with it. They, like, they started out with that story. They're like, okay, here's an idea. And then it just blew up because of Reeves and the action behind it. And it just skyrocketed. And I kind of love how they're really like saying, okay, we, we need to make a story around this now. So, you know, they, they dive into it. They, they really diving into the continental. They're diving into this assassin world and they made a, they made a cool world out of it. Um, 
So I'm excited to see what they do next. DC Fandom was announced this week. I've been waiting for this one to drop with COVID. Didn't really realize that uh, all this stuff had been moved online. I probably should since I'm in this industry, but uh, I didn't even know San Diego Comic-Con was happening until week of, which is crazy. So check some of that stuff out. But this year is just not that exciting for film and new things coming out. Just they're not releasing some stuff. But uh, in August, late August, I think August 22nd, DC Fandom is happening. Uh, it's a lot of the superhero stuff coming out. Things like Black Adam's going to drop, things like all that stuff. So I'm excited to see what they what they come out with that. Uh, but everything's so fucked right now in that sense. Uh, Annabellum, last thing for movie news. Annabellum is being released on video on demand September 18th. And I'm there's a ton more going on, but that is some of the big movie news right now. But Jay, tell us the real reason why we're here. All right, as I stated prior to all that, (laughs) for the classic movie, Psycho, directed by uh, none other than Alfred Hitchcock. If you don't know how, if you don't know who Alfred Hitchcock is, I don't know why you're listening to this podcast. I don't know why you're even living anymore. He is one of the greatest, the OG of the horror films. Um, There is, we could do a 10 episodes just on Alfred Hitchcock and we could do another 100 episodes just on his movies, I am sure. But we're talking about Psycho, the original from 1960 released by Paramount. Um, But actually, funny enough, was based on a book that was released one year prior in 1959 uh, which was um, written by Robert uh, Bloch or Bloke? I'm not really sure how to pronounce it. I think it's Bloch. Yeah. Robert Block. Um, but, you know, going into the actual movie, um, classic, classic character, Norman Bates. We've seen him recreated so many times. So Anthony Perkins played Norman Bates. Janet Lee played Marion Crane. Vera Miles played Lila Crane. John Gavin, Sam Loomis. Martin Balsam played Detective Milton Arbogast. And John McIntyre played Sheriff Al Chambers. I think those are really the main ones we need to focus on as far as who's really involved with the movie. Um, it, you have to watch this movie. I mean, I think most horror fans have. It's tough because especially like in, in you know today's modern world, there are so many remakes and people kind of forget to go back to the uh, the classics. But uh, this is just a, a, a cinematic, you know. Oh, yeah. I mean, like what you were just saying, like it's, it's I mean, in film class, these are things that you watch. Like I remember being in college this and like stuff you learn. You watch Vertigo and you watch this movie. These are Hitchcock classics. These aren't just movies to watch. These are movies to learn. Rear Window, too. Excuse me. I'm sorry. This, uh, this, I mean, he helped establish the genre. You know, he wrote the rules, basically, for everyone to play it. Mm hmm. Well, he created, he's master of suspense. He's master of fear. Uh, I mean, like, you know, this movie right here is considered a, 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 like the beginning of slashers. Like this is what started slashers right here is Hitch is a psycho. So it's, I mean, it's a little breakdown of this film itself. Um, The movie follows Marion Crane played by Janet Lee, a secretary who encounters Norman Bates played by Anthony Perkins after staying at his family's motel. Marion was on the run to meet her boyfriend after stealing a large sum of money. While staying at the Bates Motel, Marion was stabbed to death while showering. I think we all know that scene pretty damn well. <laughs> she like she had um was like she had embezzled money from her previous employer in Phoenix. I, I want to say embezzled money. Yeah, I think she. I think she had. She did some with it. Yeah, because I, I, I remember her leaving her office in, in Phoenix and with with a with a briefcase and it was full of cash, right? Yeah, you know it's funny. I mean, we'll admit it. We like I just know this movie and I've seen it so like recently. We didn't watch it this week. We usually will watch our movies this the week of just so we can have like a fresh mind of it. But I feel like Psycho is something I know so well. But like the beginning of the movie always fades me a little bit because I just always remember her pulling up to Bates Motel. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's where the movie begins in my head. Yeah, and I, honestly, I, well, Jay, next time you come out here, we'll have to go to Universal Studios because I'll go. The you know, there's a theme park, uh, Universal Studios Hollywood, and then you can go on the studio tour, which is great. You hop on a big ass golf cart with a bunch of people, and you drive through. You see a bunch of old sets, but one of the old sets is Bates Motel, 
uh, and it's the actual set. And Norman Bates is standing out there, and he's like putting a body in the trunk. It's it's a whole like they got a whole setup. Nice. I mean, it's, it's a very it. creepy, creepy, iconic house for sure. Mm-hmm. And it's right there in the background. I mean, that old Victorian-looking house. I love it. Um, but okay, while staying at Bates Motel, he was she was stabbed to death while showering. Norman cleaned up the crime scene and later got rid of the evidence as well as Marion's body. And it's later revealed that Norman was the killer after he suffers from, as he suffers from multiple personality disorder. And he also keeps his dead mother's corpse and talk to her as if she was alive. Norman also impersonates his mother and claimed that she urged her son to kill women that she was attracted to. Now this really leads in honestly to who we are talking about tonight, Mr. Ed Gein, uh, and the butcher of Plainfield. So it's, it's an interesting story. Truthfully, that I didn't know too much about until you, sir, that suggested this to me. And I, I thought it was uh, fascinating. I mean, I, I don't know why I didn't know this was about Ed Gein. Yeah. And honestly, I, I don't like the name The Butcher of Plainfield. Um, why? He's not a butcher, man. He's not. He uh, he literally cut up his victims and made them into couches. Should we call him the carpenter? Quote, unquote. They're not victims. They're already dead. But, you know. Uh, we'll get still into victims. Uh, still, still victims. He's not like uh, Ed Gein. He's a character, man, but he's not like this super malicious, super like cunning, evil genius, man. He's just like this. He's girl. no Ted Bundy. I mean, he's no, you know, he's no uh, Ed Kemper. Right? Like, well, Ed Kemper was incredibly intelligent. Yeah, for sure. Uh, as well as Ted Bundy. Uh, Ed Gein? No, not so much. He's. Um, that would not be the word I would actually describe him with is like, like intelligent by any means. Um, it's it's kind of like this, like kind of he's ghoul, he's a ghoul. Like in, in, I mean that in like, he kind of has like a ghoulish appearance. Right. But right. Um, he, he's not like a super menacing or, or evil person. I mean, he is, um, you know, he, he's lived a rough life and he grew up on a farm. So he's got like kind of a, a retard strength, if you will. Sorry. If that's <laughs> right. um, which allowed him to do some of these, uh, these things he did, but, you know, it's, we, we're, we're getting to like when you want to talk about like big name serial killers, like body count wise, Gein's not it as far as killing people. Now he, what he's done and how many body parts he, I will say, um, curated or collected. Well, then that's where it kind of gets into the the really strange side of the house because um, you know I was watching a, a like a just quick documentary on this before just kind of getting up to speed as well as doing some other research and um a good point when this guy made he's like you know you you can see like everyone's been in a situation where they're like you know like fuck you like i'll you know i'll I'll kill you you know like and they could they could like visualize themselves killing someone they hate and then he mentioned like how you'll see like the like the like the heinous like sex crimes where they're like oh my god like that's appalling like i would never like murder someone then rape them but you can still put your mind kind of on that level to understand like the mental state of that person and kind of where their head's at but then once you get into ed Gein, it's like dude you know he had a box full of cut off pussies like it's just it's hard to put yourself that did he really like you know more about him than i do I, i like that guy that is that is disturbing that is just fucking disturbing yeah, I mean, it's uh, <laughs> messed up, uh, messed up stuff, man. He had a box of pussies. Um, we're going to get into all that stuff, but let's kind of just go try and give you guys, paint a picture of the background of this uh, this individual and kind of how he was raised that would um, allow for such a unique kind of mind state to, I guess, thrive and grow. Yes, please enlighten us, Jay. I mean, I know that he is from Wisconsin. You know, is that the right way to say Wisconsin? Uh, I know that's not the correct pronunciation because I believe it's uh, Wisconsin. 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 I believe I believe there are mansions somewhere in Wisconsin. So now let's let's get into the history and allow the listeners to be able to better perceive how a mind state like someone of Ed Gein could even kind of originate and and flourish in this environment. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it's, it's pretty insane. Uh, I mean, just in terms of how this movie came about, the, the book was really passed on to Alfred Hitchcock shortly after it was published. I don't know whether that was, 
Robert Block saying like, I want Hitchcock to do this. I don't know how the powers bestowed on Hitchcock to do this, but Hitchcock bought the rights to develop this into a film and decided to make it a black and white film as a way to hurry the project. I mean, you have a year this timeline. This was Hitchcock's avatar, bro. <laughs> I guess it was, wasn't it? That's, kind of that's that's a really good analogy right there. Like this, this is Hitchcock's avatar. Like it me, but 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 really, I don't think that that's where Hitch. If you want to k- compare Hitchcock and Cameron, we're gonna say this is this is his Titanic because ty- this is what made Hitchcock, right? Yeah, Titanic is what made. I guess really we I'm should be saying this is the right. Terminator. This is this is the Terminator. I'm I'm just thinking of career wise here. Now my br- I'm high, so I'm thinking of brain wise. What was it, Psycho, or was it the Birds, man? Like what's? Oh, you're right. It was the Birds. I'm sorry. So this would be Titanic. The Birds for Cameron would be Terminator Two. Okay, fair yeah, I think I, I in my mind. I hope people tell me I'm wrong. But anyway, yes, that is that is a great. I love that analogy a lot, um, because. This made one of the most successful and well-known films in movie history. And I guess we could also say that as Titanic or Avatar, which either one. Um, But Norman Bates, he seems far too crazy to be inspired by a real person. But really, he is loosely based on the Wisconsin murder and grave robber. And I'm talking about your least favorite comparison of him, the mad butcher of Plainfield, Mr. Ed Gein. I like the ghoul of Plainfield more. I I missed that one in my research, actually. I didn't know they called him the ghoul. I mean, I guess it makes sense, right? Yeah, I mean, he's ghoulish. I mean, it's better than, like, the pussy wearer. I mean, look at the picture of this guy. He is absolutely terrifying. He looks harmless. What are you talking about? What are you, dude, what are you talking about? That guy looks like, okay, do you remember Eustace from uh, Courage the Cowardly Dog? Did you ever watch that show? Yes. I feel like he's based off of like Eustace is Ed Gein. Actually, that, that's that show was terrifying. As that show was terrifying. <laughs> it was absolutely scary as shit to watch. I hate it. I love that show. Actually, I love that show. Anyway, I had to look back up there at a picture of Ed Gein because he is an absolutely terrifying individual to look at. I feel like he's more terrifying looking than Norman Bates, but I digress. Now, Gein, who over the course of 10 years killed two women and exhumed hundreds of bodies from several local graves. Along the way, he decorated his house with a variety of items made from the bones and skin of the dead. Honestly, that's much cheaper than going to Home Goods for a new drape curtains. It is much cheaper. And it's I- organic. It is organic, you know? I mean, like, you know, it lasts... I mean, I bet you those would have lasted him at least six years. At least six years. And then he would have had to go around. Leather lasts forever. But human flesh leather? Do you think it lasts as long? I guess it would, wouldn't it? If you put the lotion on the skin, it might. Oof. That's a deep reference right there, baby. I can't believe that he is inspired off of Buffalo Bill. But we'll get into that. We'll get no Buffalo Bill is inspired off Ed Gein. Yeah, that's what I mean. Sorry. Or some Buffalo people say Ed Gein, and I'm like, God. I so I heard them say that on last podcast when I was listening to them. Shout out to last podcast. And I was like, No, they said Gein, but this is one that I. Oh no, it was a it was a it was a YouTube Gein. video. Yeah, Gein. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, yeah. Oh, I don't know. Is that right? That's probably not just right. Sounds, just sounds horrible. But uh, also, they had a British accent. Yeah, like so he's like considered like I don't know one of like America's most prolific serial killers, but he's not really a serial killer per se. He killed two people, and he's not malicious. Well, or like he's not considered a serial killer from what I found. He's more of just considered a, a murderer with a famous agenda behind him. But he's always grouped in with the serial killer conversations because of the because of the fucking skin cutting, grave robbing, and like turning them into. He's he's honestly I would call him more of the creeper. He's more like Jeepers Creepers than anything. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely out there. But, um, yeah, I mean, only, only two people, and, uh, you know, they were kind of spaced out, so it wasn't like he was doing them, like, back-to-back or even, like, a cool-down period or anything like that. Now, there are reports that, like, they found organs in his freezer that he was going to be eating or that he served his neighbors, you know, human flesh, saying it was deer or venison. Um, that's kind of, like, up for debate, whether he's a cannibal or not. Um, he did 
confess as we'll get into to you know wearing like human skin and kind of jumping around like Leatherface basically. Yeah, and that's just creepy enough. Honestly, from some of the stories I read, like this guy must have been a so master the way he put a face back together because I just can't like people said that it would look that good. Like well, the, I mean, he was raised by a, a basically a, a mother, you know. I mean, he had a father, but we'll get into why his father wasn't really, you know, a great father. So, he's, well, his mother wasn't a great mother either. Let's be well, honest. Yeah, but you know, <laughs> you, you hang around with the moms enough, you get the sewing skills down. I guess that's true. That is that is very true, especially for a 1950s mother, right there too. Good point. So let's dive into Ed Gein's early life, Jay. I'd love to, like, you really know this subject, so I'd love for you to tell me a little bit more about Ed Gein. Uh, so, yeah, so, uh, well, he was born in uh, La Crosse, Wisconsin, July 27th, 1906. Shout out, July babies, four months or four days after <laughs> my birthday, rather. Um, uh, his father was an alcoholic uh, and abusive, and his mother was a uh, domineering basically religious zealot religious freak um so you know kind of had it tough from the get-go and you know just kind of rewinding back in, in american history you know no not every child was getting a blue ribbon back then right it was a little harder harder times uh living in the world you mean there was Certainly, no participation awards there were no participation awards, uh, and you know I think the demand on children was quite a bit more than, than it is nowadays. Um, but you know his father was a you know, alcoholic, and uh, his mother religious zealot, as I said, and she would basically convey this idea, instill this idea in her sons that women and sex were the damn devil. Um, she basically believed that she blamed it on like the the. The hussies, the the, the, the sluts, the whores. I mean, yeah, slut wasn't really a word back then. I don't even know if, if whore was, but um, yeah, she basically told them that like every woman is pure evil except for herself, right? That they, that you know, the vagina is the the most tainted place in the world, and you know, sex is not enjoyable. And if God wanted us to have sex, and He would have made it pleasurable for each other, which is. I don't know if, if I mean, any of our listeners who aren't virgins, sex is fucking tight. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, basically, explain to like women and sex is the, 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 the devil. Right? Yeah. So he did, he Can we rewind guy. that back for a second? Let's just talk about like how sex is fucking tight, yo. Sex is tight. He did have an older brother. His name was Henry. Uh, and they both lived on basically. They started out like in, in the town of, of La Crosse, and his mother actually um, started and owned a grocery store. And then she just kind of got fed up with that, and they eventually moved to Plainfield to a pretty rural and isolated uh, farm there. Um, and kind of the, the most notable thing here is like because the father was a drunk, he wasn't really doing much, you know. Ed and his brother Henry were the children, so they weren't really doing much. It, it really was his mother, Augusta, that kind of had like the the brains, if you want to call it, or the wit of the family who could actually get up and like do shit and make shit happen and make money so the family can survive, right? Right. So, you know, there were like little slivers of quote unquote happy family times, you know, with them. Um, but you know, unfortunately, Edgine's father died in 1940, um, drank himself to death, and then his brother died um, under mysterious circumstances while they were both battling a brush fire. Now, the Ed was able to lead police right to his brother's body, which had been burned uh, a bit, mm. but they noticed that there were bruises on the back of his head. They ended up chalking this up to just, you know, death by accident death by wildfire or whatever but there's a rumor that um you know well there's a lot of speculation that henry was basically like the only normal one in the family and that he was like hey he had the realization that his family was pretty much batshit crazy and so he was trying to separate themselves he realized that the relationship ed had with his mother was not natural and even more outside of that, just their, the family's relationship with the mother was not natural. She was just a little too overbearing. Ed 
loved his mother so much to the point where like he wanted to have sex with her pretty much i mean like fully just was obsessed with his mother so heron was like you know i'm about to peace out the rumor is he said some bad things about augusta the mother uh while they were trying to battle these brush fires and uh and ed whacked him over the head with a shovel and, and killed him or at least knocked him out and then let him you know burn to death a bit so you know a little extra crispy on the the char grill there I don't know. Uh, but, part of me, part of me believes that he didn't believe that he didn't really murder him. I don't think he murdered him. I don't know, man. Like the bruises on the back of the neck. I don't. I the back of that. I, I don't know. It's all grandfather's crazy. tales, man. Yeah, I mean, could be very well, could be. But that was in 1944, right? So his brother died, or his father died in 1940. Brother died in 1944. You know, four years after. Um, but. Uh, after that, it was basically just kind of Ed's dream of just him and his mother that he loved so much. But then I think it was like a little less than a year, honestly, after that, uh, his mother, Augusta, died from um, uh, a heart attack. Uh, the second mm. one she had, actually, or either heart attack or stroke. I cannot remember precisely. All I could find was health problems, but I mean, maybe I could have died. I, I, I want to say it's, it's a heart attack. So now that she's gone, is gone. His father's gone. His brother's gone. It's really just this this young man who was raised in a insanely strange household, taught to believe that every single female is evil. Uh, he used to curl up next to his mom like a child, even though he was a grown man, and she would read Old Testament verses to him, like very heavy you know, death, punishment, destruction kind of stuff to him. Um, and uh, that's the, the I think, the initial basis for not only Psycho, but all the other movies that have been based off the, the thought of Ed Keen was this kind of deep obsession slash relationship with his mother. Um, and the farmhouse they lived in was like a shackle, ran down, very primitive, um, you know, and Augusta was trying to control Ed and, and even before Henry died, their every move, like when the cops went into his place, there was like, they said the floor was just like coated with grease. Uh, they said that he was, he was only eating uh, like beanie and weenies, like pork and beans. Um, and he would just go to the grocery store and just buy like bread and, and, and beanie weenies. And he would just buy cans of it and he would heat the cans up and eat them straight out of the cans. And when he was done with the can, just like throw it on the ground. Oh man, so it, was, it sounds like it sounds like every college student ever. Yeah, 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 exactly, right? So yeah, just very like wretched uh living, but um you know, uh, apart from school, the the brothers were never really allowed to leave the farm and, and instead they spent most of their time doing chores and working the land. Uh and Augusta kept them in line by again reading passages from the Old Testament. These are very doomy, gloomy, murder, mortality, forgiveness, retribution. Uh and again, Women were sluts, prostitutes, whores, all that cool stuff, right? It's pretty cool. Pretty cool. <laughs> Sorry to our female listeners. <laughs> uh, but this, you know, in turn had highly damaging effects on the Gein boys. I'd say much more Ed, because I think Henry was kind of somewhat all there um, in the head. Uh, but you know, Ed was picked on school, picked on in school a lot. Um, largely, you know, he had like a strange behavior. He had a, a, a quirky kind of goofy laugh. He his left eye drooped just a little bit lower than his right. Um, I mean, you could tell like something was off, but like he was just they all just viewed him as kind of like quirky, kind of like queer. And I mean, queer in like the like very old terminology of queer, like. It was like the legend of Sleepy Hollow that described Paul Revere as being queer, just like, like you know, I don't know, one of those like kind of strange dude. Um, but no one ever perceived any harm from him. He actually like worked odd jobs, like watching children and being a babysitter, and like in a handyman later in his life. So no one really like perceived anything dangerous with him, right? Uh, but when their father died in 1940, uh, again drank himself to death. Um, Augusta gave her her sons a little bit more freedom. Uh, again, they became handyman, helping out around the village, and you know, again, Ed would babysit, which is honestly kind of creepy. But I think the real reason, like, he bonded better with children than than adults, is I think he was just kind of raised as a child throughout his life. 
you know, even as, as he's going through puberty, he's a teen and then, you know, a young man and then a man like his, his mother still raised him as, as if they were children. So I think that's kind of, you know, I think that when you feed that sort of bullshit in someone's head that, you know, that's just how they're going to develop. And I think that he never really developed to a mature level due to his mother. Um, but around this time, right, his brother was realizing like, hey, his family's kind of fucking crazy. Like, I need to get my ass out of here and trying to live somewhat of a normal life. So he wanted to leave the farm. Uh, but Henry really feared for the relation that he had with his mother. And, and again, consider this extremely unnatural. He refused to hear a single um, bad word. Ed did. Ed was very protective. Like you cannot talk bad about about his mother, right? That was like the the ultimate kind of like you know we're about to scrap if you talk shit about my mama. Now I know a lot of people kind of feel that way, but he would not only like he you know this is someone that killed people, so like this is not the one to, to talk that shit around, right? But um, uh, after the death of his brother, after the death of Henry, he was fully then under the complete influence and control of his dominating mother and right so his mind even though it wasn't developed necessarily to the maturity level that it should have been um it became increasingly warped and, and that was was really until uh december 29th 1945 when his mother died um of a stroke there we go of a stroke and then mm. the uh he was 39 years old at this time bro and being raised as a child and that's when his life really began to to unravel when his mother passed, any grip on reality for Ed was surely gone. Despite everything she had done, he surely missed his mother a lot. And we cannot uh, get that message across enough. Like this, this was the the straw that broke that the, broke camel's, the back. camel's back. Yeah, I mean, you can really see it too, especially like his. I mean, especially in the timeline of when he was caught, like. Being without someone is what makes you just go insane for him. Yeah. I mean, and at the same time, you're on a, a, a an isolated farm. So you got just nothing around you. And there's, you know, still work you could do. But honestly, like this, some that don't like, was the farm being upkept? Did he spend his days like doing farm work? I have no idea. Or did he just sit there and everything started to get overgrown and, and he just lived in this filthy house and just kind of deteriorate i mean it's, it's honestly kind of sad because like you know you see ted bundy and ted bundy had like a great upbringing like ted bundy had the life in front of him and he was just some sick Ted Bundy's a rarity for a serial killer though i know i knew ed gein's not a yeah. killer yeah but what i'm saying like ed never really had a shot at life he just like no, he didn't. He had a very sad, depressing yeah, life. Especially like in today's world and today's standards and what we know about like, you know, criminal profiling and the psychology behind that, like everyone would have been aware of these warning signs, but like he was just left. So yes, is he quote unquote a serial killer? Is he quote unquote a butcher? Did he quote unquote have a box of pussies? <laughs> yes. Probably. Now, can you blame him and put too much hate on him? That's where it gets tough because you see someone that was just a product of all these circumstances. And if you really like read or do any research or watch a documentary on this and you kind of see like, Hey man, like I get it. This was wrong, but like this dude never really had a fair shot at life anyway. You know? Yeah. I mean, I guess he didn't really have, no, he, not, I guess he definitely never had a fairly fair shot at life, but to say that because of his mother or because of his abusive relationship with, uh, you know, his mother and his father is the same thing we could say for, uh, you know, Charles Manson, or we could say for any of these people who had abusive yeah, relationship yeah, growing up. Right. It wasn't abuse though, dude. It wasn't like they would just beat him to death. It was, it was physical. It was mental abuse Yeah. Yeah. It was more mental shaping. I'd say. But like Manson had uh, mental abuse as well. You know, like he, he was fucked up in the head because of the way he was brought up. And just like what we've learned, at least what the FBI has caught on from what serial killers really become is, you know, they have these certain tendencies. It's almost like a rule book 
that has been written for what serial killers or killers of like psychopathic nature become. Um, and yeah, I, and but Manson was like Manson and Bunny were like egotistical maniacs. Like they had to feel like empowered to feel alive. Like Ed was the opposite. Ed, Ed didn't need any of that. Ed was better off left alone. He was really just kind of like sure, but it was it was his mental break that brought him into this like insane like his mother dying is what brought him into this yeah but i mean his murders weren't like incredibly violent though they were like just no like, no yeah you're right I, we'll I, get I, into I, that. I, like that's not the concerning part the concerning part is all the other stuff that we're literally you know uh, about to get into and that's basically really like where we need to wrap up on like his early yeah, yeah. his early life you know there's no need to to like that's basically the premise you need to that's know. the thing about ed Gein is like he's so clear-cut and dry of like why he is this and he became this that like it show it, it, it's like so clearly shown why he's evil and the way he is and that's because of his mother really yeah, no, his, his family every yeah it's it's crazy and like and that leads really into his capture and conviction too right yeah and so and like that's the most interesting part of all this is that like most serial killers are caught after their crimes are discovered, right? Like they start noticing these bodies with the same calling cars or same locations to where they can identify like, Hey, all these murders are connected. We think that all these murders are from the same individual. Ed Gein's case is different because nobody had a fucking clue what was happening until his second murderer is caught. And that's when it all fucking came out and they walked into probably the most horrific scene in human history and i'm talking you could i don't walk, know I, jay i let you, you could walk this. yeah but you could walk the beaches of fucking normandy when they were storming it and <laughs> there were probably worse horrors in his fucking house than you would see on that beach isn't that crazy honestly i i really i can't wait walking away from into that. that fucking shit as a, as a fucking police or detective and fucking 1950s wisconsin in plainville wisconsin a small fucking town where nothing happens and you walk into a fucking complete i don't even know the 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 adjective i'm looking for but just hell house (laughs) like oh boy this this really ties into pleasantville which what i watched last night we were talking about earlier this really ties into it like you have no idea what you're like these type like the fifties is when they were starting to really realize these types of individuals live. You know what I mean? Like these types of individuals are really out there. Like I can't yeah. imagine being a small town police officer who deals with, uh, I don't know, a fucking missing tomato versus jumping into a serial killer and finding out or not a serial killer, but like, you know, a mass like, insane person to investigate yeah. into. Like I just and, can't imagine. Like, the, this was before the serial killer like hype. Like the serial killers really started popping off in the sixties and seventies, and then kind of died out in the eighties. Um, and a lot of people credit Ed Gein to being like a major inspiration for all the major heavy serial killers that you come across. You know, you're talking about like you know the oh goodness, there's so many, but you know like the the, the Golden State Killer, the Boston Strangler, Zodiac. The Zodiac, Richard Ramirez. Uh, I mean, there's literally the, the Green River. There, there are so many serial killers. Oh, well, I mean, these are going to be things we'll dive into heavily very soon, too. I think we'll have yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we will, we will get to all these, but this was kind of the precursor. This was the first, right? No one was used to this. And you also think back to that time in American history where – we were more of a Puritan society. Religion was massive. You know, religions died out a lot in today's world, but it was still massive. So there were a lot of people with morals that were honestly just kind of rocked once this story came out. Cause this is just some shit that nobody had ever heard of and that nobody could have, even if they took all the acid, I don't even think acid was even invented in the 50s. I'm pretty sure that came in the 60s, but if it was and you took all... No, acid was being tested. Acid was being tested in the 50s. I don't think... I really don't think it was until the 60s, but... No, the the government was... The government was a part of, especially the, the... Either the CIA or the... 
Mm-hmm. No, it was, a, it was a CIA, 100%. Like, MK Ultra, yeah. all that shit. Yeah. I, th- I thought that was in yeah. the 50s, 60s, but I could be wrong. But well, even, I think it was late if, 50s. Excuse me. I'm sorry. Even I've been... if you took all those drugs, you still would not fucking be able to even think of the shit that they saw in this house. And, you know, we were going to try and bang this out in one episode, but we're kind of creeping up on that hour mark. And I just think there is quite a bit to talk about in regards to what was discovered in the house. So, in classic, you know, quote unquote professional media ways we're gonna leave a little cliffhanger and tune in next week because we are going to get into um some really you know cutting edge fashion trends uh (laughs) i only know a little bit what you're talking about here but yeah i mean honestly like I can't wait to see what Edging designed as a couch. Like, I think it'll be fantastic. It'll be revolutionary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I, you know I'm, I'm feeling generous, so I'll give a little sneak peek. But it's going to involve leggings made of human leg skin. Ooh, ooh, ooh. ooh I, I fashion. Who, who knew that he had that type of skill? Honestly. Uh, dude, you know what? If he was born into a normal french family that had a sewing machine and variety of fabrics he could have been you know the next <laughs> don't you have called him ed guyne Ed-Gain. Ed- eduardo that there's so many movies that have been spun off on this kind of character of ed gein um many that most of us have seen but again without making you guys sit here for another 45 minutes or an hour I think that's all we'll do, and we'll yeah. go ahead and get into the, the the real heavy, shitty stuff. So make sure uh, your stomach's feeling right as we get weird in the next episode of Based on Real Events. But as always, Mr. Edward Jordan Golett, I call him EJ because I'm his friend, but don't you fucking dare call him EJ if you don't know him. If you see me ever in life, like you come up to me and you call me Ed. Like, that's it. I don't care. I don't, I don't want Eddie. I don't want anything. I want Ed. Ed, how you doing, man? What's up, man? Or our Uncle Ed. I'm cool with that. I'm a fun uncle. I don't care. I'm a fun uncle. I like it. I like it. I'm Jake Kington, but thanks everyone for, for tuning in. Follow us as we really bring it home on the next episode of Ed Gein and Psycho Part 2. Thank you.